real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. This episode of the Frugalpreneur podcast is brought to you by a new sponsor, Riverside.fm. Are you a podcaster or YouTuber that's tired of poor quality audio and video? Use the same platform as Disney, Spotify, and Guy Raz to record HD podcasts and videos from anywhere. It's simple, intuitive, and works all from your browser. Plans start at just $9 a month and include 4K video resolution, screen sharing, and the ability to live stream your interviews and accept live call-ins. Check it out at riverside.fm and use the code Sarah25, that's Sarah with an H, at checkout to get a 25% discount on the first three months of your subscription. That's riverside.fm. M, coupon code Sarah25. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is an entrepreneur behind three multi-million dollar companies, and he's also the author of several popular books, some of which are Profit First, Clockwork, Fix This Next, and his newest book, Get Different, comes out September 21st of 2021. Welcome to the show, Mike Michalowicz. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here with you. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you being here. I have all your books pre-ordered, get different, and I want to hear all about... Awesome. You're awesome. Thank you. I want to hear more about Get Different and what it's about. I think we talked a little bit before we got started that it's about marketing, but I'd love to hear more what prompted you to write it and some of the key things about it. So it it all started roughly 10 years ago. Uh, I've been researching the concept of marketing for a while. Perhaps the impetus started about 10 years ago. I, I started surveying audiences when I was doing public speaking or through email. So sometimes it's a formal survey, sometimes informal. And I was asking people, what is your primary and most effective form of marketing? And hands down, the number one response, like in the 90 percentile, was client referral. Oh, my client introduces me to someone else. My client helps me get business because they, they refer me to other people. People are very proud about that, and they should be. They're like, wow, this is amazing. But here's the problem. That means we're at the whim of our clients to market for us. It's wonderful they refer us, but if they decide not to, or they go out of business, or something happens, there goes our entire marketing arm. Marketing is intended to feed our business, and we should have control over that. We should be able to throttle it up as we need and slow it down if we need, but have total control over it. And you can't go to clients and say, hey, thanks for those two referrals last month. Can you send me seven this month? Because I got to speed things up. That's the icing, client referrals. You know, What's the cake? And that's what I devoted this research to this book for, is how do we control marketing? I found there's key elements to doing it. Most of us do it wrong. I'll tell you the thing not to do. The thing not to do is best marketing practices that your industry is doing. Because when we do what the industry is doing already, that means the same type of customer is being targeted the same type of way. And it's just an onslaught. You know, everyone's sending email marketing in your industry. If you send more email marketing, it's a blur. 
So we have to get different. And that's hence the title, Get Different. Awesome. I'm looking forward to reading it. So I was kind of looking over what information there is online about the book so far. And it sounds like there's like three key components of does it differentiate, does it attract, and does it direct? Can you maybe go into a little bit more about each of those? Yes. Good job with your research. So those three elements, they make an acronym DAD. It's a good acronym because it's easy to remember. And what we can say about all the marketing we do is does dad approve? If marketing passes the dad test, it will work. If it doesn't, it'll fail. The three elements are as follows. The first one you said is differentiate. Differentiate means to do something that is different than the common marketing that clients are experiencing. The reason we need to do different is there's this thing called the reticular formation. It's a net, if you will, of neurons that's at the brainstem. And its primary job is actually to ignore things. Meaning right now, if you look around your desk, your space, there's hundreds of things that could catch your attention and we can go on forever. I I have this mug here from my son's college and I could look at it and say, oh, it's a black mug. Ooh, why is it black? How do they make black? Who invented the word black? What's the letter B? Like, what, What does that mean? And it could just go on and on and on. But the reticular formation shop is that's irrelevant. Stay focused on what we're talking about now and, and pay attention to this. Well, this is true for all of our prospects. And if we put more marketing, the standard marketing in front of them, it won't get noticed because the mind is designed to ignore almost everything. But there's three things that always get by. One is a threat. So if we're in this meeting right now, having a meeting right now, and I say, hey, Sarah, I really need you to listen closely. And I pull out a gun and I guarantee in that moment, I've got your full undivided attention because I've presented a threat. Here's a problem. Uh, Threat means you're going to go into fight or flight mode. So you may punch me right in the nose and knock me back or out. You may run. You will defend yourself. So threats cause defense, which is is repelling. So that's ineffective. The second way to get past reticular formation is through opportunity. So I could instead say, hey, we have to have a serious conversation here. I pull out a wad of $100 bills and say, I want to make sure I have your attention. I will guarantee I have your attention again. Because now there's an opportunity. You can accumulate a massive money right now in this moment. But the problem is you may just take the money and leave. So I'm putting out a huge investment and you may not pay attention to a word I'm presenting. You may just take the opportunity and walk away. So the best marketing, the most effective is a third way, which is to do different. You see, when something different presents itself, our mind is instantly tuned into it because it could be something that is a threat. It could be something that's an opportunity. It could be something that's ignorable, but the mind has to figure it out. So if you and I were like having this conversation and we're out in a yard and all of a sudden something squiggles in the ground, we'll both jump back and look. It could be a threat, could be a snake, could be an opportunity. Someone's waving some money down there, thing, but that's unlikely. Or it could be ignorable. Someone turned the hose on and it's jumping around, but we have to pay attention to it. So step one in effective marketing is market in a way that is unexpected. It'll get people's attention. And the beautiful thing is you can do it in email. You can do it in other formats. If all of your competition is sending out emails with a list of all these great benefits they provide, why not you be the one who sends out a video email? It's different enough that I'll get attention. But there's two more elements that need to work. The next one is A for attract. We must message in a way that's attractive. Now, attractive simply means that it speaks to the customer in some capacity. It serves a problem that they have. Perhaps it entertains them. So it's a moment of levity, but something that's of service to them and is compelling. If it's something that's repelling, it's, it's truly a snake in the ground, we're going to back away. 
One analogy I use is like a lawyer. Say a lawyer has to get the attention of the jury. She's outlined the case here, and this is the defining moment. Well, that's a form of marketing. We've got to market ourselves very effectively to that jury. She could walk in in a Bozo the Clown costume with those big floppy shoes, the squirting rose lapel, and the yaka yaka horn thing. That is different. The whole jury will pay attention. But the problem is, is that attractive? Does it speak to them? Probably not. They're probably expecting a professional presentation, not some kind of clown. And therefore, that triggers repelling and it actually moves people away. So marketing is not about being outrageous and offensive. That will get attention. It's about being different in a way that also is attractive. And the last component, the D, the final D in dad, is to direct. And to direct is to give specific, explicit, and singular direction in that marketing communication. What do we want the prospect to do? There's a key to this. It needs to be reasonable. If I sold cars or something and you're looking to buy a car and I do something that gets your attention and you're like, hey, I'm interested in buying a car. I can say, hey, Sarah, why don't you give me $100,000 right now and we'll find your dream car. You'd be like, who, what? No way. But if I said, hey, Sarah, why don't you tell me about your dream car, but I'd like to get your contact information and I can show you my inventory. Well, now you might be compelled to do it. So what is a safe, reasonable ask that moves us closer to the transaction? All the marketing you do, always ask yourself, does it differentiate, attract, and direct? If it passes all three of those tests, it'll be effective marketing. If it doesn't, it's going to struggle. It's going to fail. Mm. Yeah, I did notice that it spells out dad. That's pretty interesting. I think your website in particular and your photos and whatnot, I think those definitely hit all of those. They're different and and they attract people. I think that they're hilarious, basically. And then that thing at the bottom you have where it's like, I love this, can't guy, stand this guy or I yeah, can't yeah, stand yeah. the sky and it'll direct you to the anger management. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll see, actually, even in my setup mm-hmm. here, that tree, this phraseology, it's all based upon dad experiments. So, and I'll tell you about the website too. So first, let me tell you about that tree. The first thing you can do in your marketing, what I did in my own marketing, is look at what the industry best practice is. Again, the best practice is the thing you likely don't want to do. So it's a great starting point to say, okay, this is what everyone else does. Therefore, it's kind of common noise. How can I break from that? I noticed when it came to podcasts and speaking, everyone had, if they're an author, had a bookshelf behind them with their books. I was like, okay, that makes sense because we want to display our books. But because everyone's seeing a bookshelf behind them, it gets blurred. People aren't looking at the books. I'm like, what can I do that's different? So I typed in different bookshelves. It was literally that simple. And up came all these bookshelves. And one of them was a tree. So then I, I contacted, it was on Etsy. I contacted people. said, I need a tree that fits in this environment, inspect it out. And they built the tree. And I sent it over here. Does it attract? Well, it's real easy to measure that. When, when I started doing presentations during COVID, especially over Zoom and so forth, you could see people's chats going on and you could download the chat after a presentation. And what's interesting is people kind of speak their own thoughts on chat. So as I'm presenting, some people are like, oh, what's that weird tree behind this guy? Like, oh, there's some books back there. And someone's like, oh, what books are they? And I see that it's attracting people to look at the books and engage in them. And then ultimately the direct is implied. When you see a book, if you're compelled by it, you're going to Google it. And that's the direct I want people to take. So I don't have to say, hey, saw my tree, Google my books. It's implied. When it came to my website, the same thing. And I invite people to check it out. If you want the website, here's a shortcut to get there. It's Mike Motorbike. That's my nickname from high school because no one can spell McAllowitz. But you can go to Mike Motorbike. 
which is also different. Most authors don't use nicknames. So it's kind of a fun, engaging way. So go to mikemotorbike.com. Here's what's interesting about my website. I evaluated my contemporaries, very professional websites, but that was the problem. They're all the same professional websites. I'm like, what if I had a more real human website? What if as you move around, all different pictures of me present themselves, goofy ones, funny ones, normal ones. And what if I had these different Easter eggs? Like, you know, you now get to the bottom of the site and it says, I love this guy and you're invited to join, join my stalkers club. Or he says, I hate this guy and it goes to anger management. What we do is we've measured the, our standard website before and then this different website we designed. And the different website, the engagement has more than doubled. People are spending minutes there. And on a website, getting someone for minutes, that's, that's nothing short of a miracle. So different garners attention and people will notice and talk about it. It's memorable. So it, it is the most powerful marketing strategy. Your website is probably one of the best ones I've seen and cracks me up every time Thank I you. go to it. That's creative, Mike, because I was going to say MikeMcCallowitz.com, you know, at the end of this, but that makes it, and sure. I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to spell it out, but that makes it easier, right. Mike Motorbike. You know, I, I think there's a thing called the disadvantage advantage. When we evaluate ourselves, we're like, what are all the disadvantages? And one of mine is a very difficult to pronounce and spell last name. And so the most common response is, okay, maybe I should change my, legally change my name to Smith or do something like that. But the question is, when you have a disadvantage, how can you spin this in a way that becomes favorable? One of my favorite stories came out of University of California in Santa Barbara, so UCSB. And if I recall correctly, they have olive trees that garnish the main pathway going to their administrative building. And olive trees, if you know what they look like, they're they look wickedly old and beautiful and gnarled. They're gorgeous trees. But the problem is they grow olives and these olives would drop on the pathway going to their administrative building and people were slipping and falling on that. There were severe injuries. Bikers were wiping out because olives leave olive oil, which is extremely slippery. And if you power wash it, it actually spreads it and makes it worse. So the normal response is, oh, our disadvantage are these olive trees. We need to cut them down. But instead, they made the disadvantage an advantage. One of the professors said, let's not cut these down. Let's put nets under them during harvest season when they're dropping their olives. And let's make the University of California's Santa Barbara's uh, olive oil. And they sell, I think it's like 5,000 gallons of olive oil now every year. And it's become world famous. It's become one of the biggest attractor factors is to go to the university for their famous olive oil. So... Whatever our disadvantage is in our business, in our personal lives, can ultimately be our greatest advantage because it's a differentiator. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I love that story, too. Thanks for sharing that. One thing that's kind of on the top of your website that I was curious about was eradicating entrepreneurial poverty. And mm -hmm. I'd love for you to kind of explain what you mean by that. Yeah. So that is my life's purpose. And what entrepreneurial poverty is, how I define it is... The day, Sarah, you started your business, I suspect you had a big dream for it. I suspect people who aren't entrepreneurs even felt like, wow, she's now a millionaire. She probably sits on the beach drinking Mai Tais because she's an entrepreneur. She's making money. There's this perception that we have or expect for ourselves in the world who doesn't understand entrepreneurship thinks that's where we are. But the reality, I don't know if it was for you, but for me was working my butt off, absolute struggle, no money. Perception of success, reality of struggle. This gap is what I call entrepreneurial poverty. And so my life's commitment is to, because I've lived it, is to close that gap. I believe you should be extremely successful. I believe every frugal entrepreneur should be wildly successful. 
Because when we're successful, we provide for ourselves, our family, our employees, our community, our country, our globe, our world. And so the greatest contribution is success. And the only way to get there is if we can wipe entrepreneurial poverty off of this planet. That's my life's mission. There's 300 million small businesses on, in this globe. And uh, that's a lot of small businesses. I haven't even scratched the surface yet. And every morning when I wake up, I remind myself, this is why I'm here. It gets me fired up. I push hard. And I'm hoping, maybe it won't happen in my lifetime, but I'm hoping at least I leave a legacy where no longer will entrepreneurs struggle to be successful. They will all be the great contributors to our society. Mm, I love that little tagline that you kind of have going on there. Kind of speaking of frugal entrepreneurship, this is taking it back a bit, but your I believe it was your first book, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. You talk about how to get started with little to no money. Uh, right. And I was just wondering if you have any, because I, I think a lot of the listeners are starting a business or trying to grow a business, but sure. on a budget, obviously. So I would love to hear. And, fa- and that's fantastic. What what I argue is the lack of things is actually your greatest opportunity. That, that's why I wrote The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. When I went into business, I thought I needed a network of contacts, people who would be interested in what I have to grow. I thought I needed money to build a business. I thought I needed an education in my field so that I can go in with knowledge. And I found it's actually the lack of all those things that were my greatest advantage. And it's true for all entrepreneurs. So lack of education, for example. I don't know this industry. When you go into a business not knowing the industry, you break the industry rules, which is your biggest advantage. You start making olive oil when everyone else is trying to clean up the sidewalk. The second thing is when it comes to money, I thought money was necessary to grow. It's ironic, maybe it's interesting, that the lack of money facilitates actually faster growth because the lack of money forces innovation. We have to find ways to get solutions without money. And when you find those solutions, now you find innovative approaches. I was a co-owner in a manufacturing business of leather products, and we needed to do what's called leather molding, which usually use these heavy pressing systems with water and heat to press it down, but they can cost tens of thousands of dollars to build these systems. Well, we didn't have that money, so we went to a local Home Depot with a few hundred dollars in our pocket and got the parts that were on the clearance list. And so we got like a microwave oven. Here's something I'll tell you, don't microwave leather. It doesn't make it more malleable. It turns into like flubber. (laughs) But- We did find a way to apply heat and pressure for a few hundred dollars where the competition is doing it for thousands and thousands of dollars with their systems. Therefore, we are able to get the same results faster and cheaper. That was a great innovation. I think if we went in with money, we'd say, oh, everyone else has presses. Let's get a press. Because we didn't, we had to innovate. And then the lack of contacts is the best thing. I thought I needed to have people already pent up to buy my stuff. But when I didn't have that and I had to sell my offering, I had to convince strangers. And when you learn how to convince a stranger to buy from you, then anyone will buy from you. If you have pent up demand, it's people that are friends or contacts. They're they're actually trying to placate you. They may not really want want what you have, but they want to care for you because they're connected with you. It's selling to the strangers that matter most. And when you don't have a network, that's what you have to do from day one, and you'll build a better business. Mm. I love to hear examples like that of how people can find ways to launch or manage a business on a tighter budget through creativity, like that example you gave. So that's awesome. I appreciate your time today. Your book comes out everywhere September 21st. You can pre-order it now, like I did. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on, whether it's about your new book or just anything in general before we end? I just want to remind every frugal entrepreneur that we 
are starving for your success. The world is starving for your success. You know, I think this economic climate we're in is very peculiar. We see the rise of Wall Street with the collapse of Main Street. We see all these different economics things going on. There's potential inflation in, in the winds now. I studied every recession back to the Great Depression and found there's only been one turning factor for the economy. It wasn't government, it wasn't some policy, it was small business. Every single time, small business rise to the occasion and turn the economy. And so I just want to remind everyone listening in right now, why not it be you? Why not you turn your own economy, bring the best of yourself, and then help us turn the global economy? I think especially during COVID, when people were losing their jobs, I think that gave people an opportunity to start their own business. And I'm curious to see maybe the new software programs or the new, just the ideas that people came up with during COVID and yeah. we're able to pivot and create opportunities and whatnot. So that'll be interesting to see down the line. Well, I appreciate your time today. And so the easiest place to go, mikemotorbike.com. And I'll also have links to <laughs> to all of your books at thank you. thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Mike, just to make it easy for everyone. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure being with you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Be sure to grab your free copy of my list of 27 tools, resources, and software programs I use to run my businesses on a tight budget. You can get it at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash 27 tools. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash 27 tools. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.